This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Username Elemental and Matthew Burnett, for already donating. For more stories, or just chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents Return to Dominaria. Episode 10. For a long time, Slimefoot knew nothing except the weatherlight's warm hull and the hot sun of Bogarden. As it grew out of its sporehood into its stalk phase, it was conscious of sound, the voices of other living things. These voices were sometimes loud and sometimes soft, and gradually it learned to differentiate them into individual lifeforms. One day, two of these individual lifeforms used ropes to climb down the hull with a tool, a long wooden handle with a blade on the end. I think we left this one too long. It's going to be hard to pry off. Just give it a good whack first. That should loosen it. Slimefoot didn't think a whack would be good at all. Then the roar of fire came from the sky, and voices shouted in alarm. The two lifeforms dropped their tool and scrambled down their ropes toward the ground. The sound and scent of fire was alarming enough to boost Slimefoot right into the next stage of its development. It popped its partially grown stalks out of their casing and then hesitated. It wasn't developed enough to see for more than a short distance around, and it couldn't tell where the fire and shouting was coming from. But this warm hull had been Slimefoot's whole life, and it was afraid to leave. Instead, it started the laborious climb upward. Its stalks were weak and undeveloped, and it trembled with the effort of the climb. The waves of heat in the air dried its skin and made it harder and harder to hold on. Nearly limp with exhaustion, it reached the edge of the deck and wiggled under the lowest bar of the railing. The heat had stopped, but the voices continued. Slimefoot knew it wasn't safe yet and dragged itself forward across the deck, looking for shelter. Abruptly, the deck disappeared under it. It plunged down through dark, empty air and landed with a splat. It lay there for a time, dazed by the darkness and the fall, until it realized it could sense a presence. A warm, white star shining from the nest of tubes and metal filling the dark space. It gave Slimefoot the strength to crawl farther, to find a passage to climb through into an empty space where it could finally rest. Slimefoot grew in the darkness, the shining white star supplying all the nourishment of the sun. After a time, it knew its home had lifted up and moved through the air, but it wasn't sure what that meant. As it grew larger and its senses became more keen, it started to hear voices, carried on the tubes that connected the white star at the ship's heart to the rest of its Thran body. I hope they're all right down there. This Cabal agent has been able to fool an entire academy of mages. That doesn't sound good. 
The white star surrounded this voice with a warm glow, and Slimefoot was sure it had heard it before, before its stalk phase. This was the voice that had guided the ship's rebirth. Tiana. It was called Tiana. All the agent had to do was lie low and pretend not to be a bloodthirsty murderer. Another voice. That was Arvad, who the White Star had called from across the world to be Tiana's friend and helper. Cabal cultists are good at that. Wait, is that Joy Rizal? She said she'd send it up when they were done. That's the owl. I'll go start dinner. Slimefoot knew it was nearing the beginning of its emergent phase, when its stalks grew stronger. At some point it would have to venture out, but the outside world had been so frightening. It seemed much more sensible to stay here and go into an early reproduction cycle. At least after that it would have company. Slimefoot went dormant during reproduction to concentrate its energy, but when it became aware again, it was to a sense of heat on the ship's hull. The air was dry as dust. It was definitely more sensible to stay here in the safe dark, watched over by the white star. But it heard voices again. I like your daughter. That was Joyra, a voice the ship knew in its Thran bones. The ship also recognized Teferi's laugh. <laughs> of course you do. Oh, I wish you could have met Subira. So, do you regret it then? Giving up your spark? I regret a lot of things, but not that. Slimefoot mostly communed with its new sprouts, enjoying the sense of companionship, but it listened to the voices, learning about the other inhabitants of the ship. The scent of Yavimaya drifted down through the openings in the wooden walls. It almost made Slimefoot consider going out for a look. But the sprouts couldn't move yet, and the fresh green scent of Yavimaya was combined with the frightening taint of smoke. Slimefoot huddled down with its sprouts and didn't move. The weather light is so much the same, and so different. Karn, the white star whispered. Slimefoot felt the Thran structure hum in response. Is it strange to be on board again? That was Shauna, who had patterns in her blood that were the same as those woven through the ship's bones. After all that happened to you? After all that happened to me, everything is strange. Raf was another whose blood was familiar. Slimefoot was wary of the two new ones, Chandra and Jaya, who smelled of fire. Though the White Star didn't seem to mind them. Joda told me about you. Does he know you're back? Huh? I didn't know he was back. He's in Talaria West at the Academy. Once this is all over, we can take you back there. If you want. Thanks for the offer, but I'm not sure just how back I am yet. If you know what I mean. The other two aboard weren't known to the ship, but the White Star did not object to their presence. Not even the one who had death written into her skin. You didn't tell Chandra about Josu. No, and I won't. It's not my story to tell, is it? If you told her, you might have used it to make her feel... Make her feel she should help us kill Belzenlock. Gideon sounded exasperated, but Gideon sounded exasperated a lot, so Slimefoot wasn't sure it meant anything. Liliana, if that's what you want, why didn't you tell her? I don't need to, do I? She already wants to help us kill Belzenlock. 
because she agrees with us that it has to be done before we face Nicol Bolas again. I don't even know what you're asking me. Are you trying to find out why my first impulse isn't to use information given to me in strict confidence by one friend to manipulate another friend? No, of course not. Liliana strode away. Her capacity to lie to herself is almost infinite. Slimefoot began to seriously consider whether it should leave its safe haven. The Sprouts had reached their incipient stalk phase, and Slimefoot had sent the chemical signal telling them it was time to complete their transition. They uprooted their stalks and practiced walking around the chamber and climbing its walls. Slimefoot needed to use its own stalks before it slid back into a dormant phase. It was considering the problem when the door opened. A figure stood there. It had been a long time since Slimefoot had seen another living being, and it was more curious than startled. Tiana, I think I've found where that smell is coming from. It was Arvad. Slimefoot freed an arm stock from the bulk of its body and waved. The storage space next to the main engine compartment. Slimefoot and Arvad stared at each other until Tiana appeared. Oh, holy Sarah! Slimefoot waved at her. Did it just wave at me? I think so. If you can understand me, wave at both of us. Slimefoot freed a second arm stalk and waved at both of them. Huh. Right then. I think it's a thalid. Probably. Hey, are you a thalid? Slimefoot didn't have a vocal apparatus to reply, but it used its arm stalks to gesture. It wasn't entirely sure what it was yet, though it felt that knowledge would come with a later phase of development. It was hard to convey that with gestures. It's obviously trying to answer you. I wouldn't say obviously. Because it doesn't have a face? Tiana seemed to be trying to turn her head sideways to look at Slimefoot from another angle. Well, yes, but it is talking to us, so it's definitely... Hold on, Raph might be able to talk to it. Tiana left. Slimefoot and Arvod stared at each other some more. Hello, I'm Arvod, sometimes called the Cursed. Slimefoot gestured assent and pointed at the slime curtain around its stalks, trying to convey its own name. Uh-huh. Then Tiana reappeared with Raph. Oh, right, this is a Thalid. Hi there, Thalid. Slimefoot freed a third arm stalk to wave a greeting. That's helpful, Raph. What is it doing here? Well, Thalids are from Yavimaya, and are sort of related to mushrooms. They were originally created as a... Um, I'll tell you later. It's a little awkward to get into all that with it standing there. This one probably came aboard as a spore, stuck to that tree elemental seed Joyra used to regrow the hull. Oh hey, and it's had like ten babies already. What? Slimefoot looked around at its sprouts, all in the stalk phase now. It prompted them, and they all waved at their new friends. Yeah, those are little thalids. Hi, little thalids. What are you going to do about it? Tiana didn't answer, but sighed deeply. Slimefoot wasn't sure how to interpret that. They haven't shown any sign of trying to attack us or hurt the ship. Do we need to do anything about it? We could take it to Yavimaya. We were just at Yavimaya. Tiana put both hands in the auburn growth on her head like she might pull it out. Right, let's just leave it where it is right now. I'm going to talk to Joyra. Arvad closed the door 
and Slimefoot heard them walking away. Tell Joyra that Sarah said it was okay that it's here. Ow! I was kidding. Slimefoot considered its situation, and then looked around at its sprouts. Instinctively, it knew that it was time to move around and look at the world. Well, it had better get started. Slimefoot sent the chemical signals to its sprouts to tell them it was time to leave their home. Once they were all thumping around on the floor, Slimefoot went to the door. Pushing it open, Slimefoot stepped out, calling the sprouts to come along. It followed the path Tiana and Arvad had taken. They had gone down a large, curving corridor, and Slimefoot realized it must run along the inside of the ship's hull. It went through the first opening, and found Tiana and Arvad standing in a chamber in the center part of the ship, which had openings to other corridors. It followed us, with the babies. I see that. Tiana stared at Slimefoot, and Slimefoot stared back. Liliana strode in, stopped, and stared at Slimefoot. What's this? They're Thalids, from Yabamaya, probably. Thalids. This is Liliana. Slimefoot waved a greeting at her and prompted all the sprouts to do the same. Well, apparently they've been aboard since the ship was constructed in... Yes, whatever. What do they do? So far, they stare at people. Well, that's useless. She turned to Arvad. How did you decide not to eat people? Arvad could eat people? That was alarming. Slimefoot and all its sprouts turned to stare at Arvad. Arvad seemed taken aback as well. It wasn't a decision. I didn't want to be a vampire. I was turned against my will. Yes, I understand that, but once you return, wouldn't drinking blood be the natural thing to do? No. Are you trying to convince me that drinking blood is a good idea? No, of course not. Unless it's expedient. Then where- Tiana had folded her arms, watching with a speculative expression. You're asking him how he resisted the urge to be selfish. Liliana turned to glare at her. No, I'm not asking that. But since she's brought it up, how did you? It wasn't easy. I had to hold on to an image of myself as I was before I was changed, as I wanted to be. With the Power Stone's effect on me, it's much easier. But I know I could leave its influence if I had to, and retain control. Liliana didn't look as if that was what she wanted to hear. So there's no trick to it. Is there something you'd like to talk about? I am an angel. We're supposed to be good at this sort of thing. No, of course not. Never mind. And if you tell anyone we had this conversation, you'll both regret it. She strode away down another corridor. That had been interesting. Slimefoot felt better about its decision to explore. After growing so long in the dark, the outside world was certainly proving to be an interesting place. There was obviously a lot more to see. It chose a different corridor and started away. Uh, we better warn the others that it's here. I'll go forward, you go aft. Slimefoot explored for a while. The winding paths of the corridors and rounded shapes of the chambers were pleasantly familiar. The people had said the ship had grown from the seed of an elemental, which was probably why it felt so familiar, and why it had sheltered Slimefoot and accelerated its growth and life cycle. Why Slimefoot seemed to know and understand so many things about its other inhabitants. 
it found an opening to a chamber and looked inside. Teferi sat on one side of the room reading a book, and on the other, Gideon was sharpening a weapon. Gideon looked up at Slimefoot. Slimefoot waved a greeting. Teferi? Teferi looked up briefly. Ah, Thalids, yes. Tiana said they found some living in the engine compartment. That sounds like someone else's problem. And Gideon went back to sharpening the blade. Slimefoot watched them for a while, but they didn't do anything else, so it moved on. Next, it found a large compartment where Joyra sat at a table. Joyra was the ship's favorite. Joyra had a lens over her right eye to examine the crystal and metal artificer's components spread out on the table. She fumbled for a tool just out of reach, and Slimefoot used an extra arm stock to pick it up and hand it to her. Thank you, Shauna. That's not me. Shauna came into the room and took a seat across from Joyra. And I'll try not to take it personally. What? Joyra looked up, blinking. She focused on Slimefoot. Oh, sorry. Yes, Tiana said we had stowaways. Raph had followed Shauna in and sat down next to her. Hello, Thalids. I'm just saying, most famous warriors have a tragic past. I don't. I know, I just think it's odd. You're odd. Slimefoot thought almost being killed by a shovel and having to use its still-soft stalks to flee for its life up to shelter in the ship's engine compartment might qualify as a tragic past, but everything had gone pretty well after that point. Sprouts cautiously explored the room, studying the books and tools in all the shelves they could reach. Please ask them not to touch anything. Slimefoot told the Sprouts not to get too close to anything, though right now they didn't have arm stalks. Raph, apparently, still wanted to talk about tragic pasts. No, I mean, are you sure it's not just a little tragic? <sighs> there was the one time my younger sister burnt the honey bread on solstice morning because she was flirting with the neighbors and my older sister told her she'd ruined the holiday. There were tears. Joyra adjusted her eyepiece. You know, Raph, you don't have a tragic past either. That's because he barely has a past. You don't know my past isn't tragic. It's not easy studying at the Talarian Academy, you know. She does know. Joyra propped her chin on her hand, glaring at him through her eyepiece. And how many time rifts did you get trapped in? I forgot about that. Oh, they're in here. Arvad stopped in the doorway. Joyra looked up at Slimefoot, who had leaned over to examine the objects on the table. Yes, they are. They seem harmless. What do you plan to do with them? Slimefoot twisted its upper part to regard Joyra closely. She watched it steadily for a long moment, then smiled. I must have brought them here with Molimo's seed, so we'll have to take them back to Yavimaya when we have a chance. Slimefoot wasn't sure how to express its appreciation, so it handed her another tool. A muffled roaring sounded from above, then was abruptly cut off. Slimefoot recognized the sound of fire and ordered its sprouts to cluster close. What was that? That's Chandra and Jaya, up on the deck. Pyromancers throwing fireballs on a wooden skyship? Is that really a good idea? Slimefoot thought it was a terrible idea. No, not really. But they both say Chandra needs to find her true self. And that seems to involve a lot of fire. Karn is keeping an eye on them. Joyra adjusted her eyepiece and picked up another tool. 
this was curious. Slimefoot ordered its sprouts to stay with Wrath and set off to get more information. Hey, where are you going? You left your babies! The sprouts had obeyed and were clustered tightly around Raph's chair. I think you're the babysitter, Raph. Slimefoot found the stairs up to the deck and climbed into the glare of sunlight. The first thing it saw was that the ship flew over water. Endless water that seemed to stretch in all directions. Slimefoot had been distantly aware that the ship had flown over water before, but seeing it was different. It walked across the deck to the rail, remembering how long that journey had seemed when it was a barely mobile sprout fleeing for its life. The sun warmed Slimefoot's cap and pores, the heat soaking in. The sky was blue and clouds drifted across it, and in the distance, Slimefoot's senses detected land. Hello, Valen. I am Karn. Slimefoot turned and waved a greeting. Karn gestured toward the stern. Don't approach the pyromancers. They're working and require a great deal of concentration. Also, though they haven't done it since we boarded the ship, they have been known to shout at each other very loudly. Karn leaned closer and lowered his voice. It is annoying. Slimefoot settled down on the deck, demonstrating that it had no intention of going anywhere near the pyromancers. Karn sat down beside it. We are on our way to Urborg to destroy the demon Belzenlock in the stronghold of the Cabal. Slimefoot watched Karn soberly. It wasn't sure what all of that meant, but it was frightening. Our success is not guaranteed, but we are a formidable group. I'm sorry I had to disturb the Earth of Yavimaya to retrieve the Silex. I know it was disruptive to every being living in the forest nearby, but I thought it was necessary. I need to take it to New Phyrexia and destroy their plane once and for all. I mean to end them forever." He looked closely at Slimefoot, waiting for a response. Something about the word Phyrexia made the white star at the ship's heart pulse with… anger? Fear? Anticipation? Slimefoot wasn't sure, and its skin twitched with reaction. Karn still waited, and Slimefoot gestured with its arm stalks, signaling understanding. Karn nodded and looked out over the water. The others think the Phyrexians are no longer a threat. And perhaps they're right. Karn's heavy brow lowered, and Slimefoot thought he seemed both sad and worried. But I feel the sooner I act, the better." Slimefoot stared at Karn, but he said nothing more, so Slimefoot just sat beside him and watched the endless water. Chandra sat on the deck, thirty-seven individual fireballs floating above her head. Keeping them all contained and in motion wasn't easy, but Chandra was managing it. How am I doing? Jaya paced on the deck behind her. <laughs> if you need to ask, you must not be doing very well. Chandra didn't let any of the balls slip. Whatever Jaya thought about her temper, she had too much sense to lose control on a wooden skyship. 
and there were things she needed to know. Why did you change your mind about helping me? Is it because of what I did for Multani? Hmm, partly. Jaya moved around to face her. It was the first indication I'd seen that you were capable of concentrating on something for any length of time. Chandra kept her attention on the fireballs, and not one wobbled. She grinned. I know what you're doing. You're being mean to test me. <laughs> I'm being honest to test you, kid. Chandra had the feeling that wasn't a joke. Was I really that bad? Hmm. Not so much. I've seen worse. Stubborn, impatient, like talking to stone walls. No idea what they want. Chandra didn't remember it that way, though she was willing to admit she had been terrible at listening to Mother Luti. She thought about how she would have felt in Jaya's place. I would probably have gotten into a fight with me and taught myself a painful lesson. It was a little daunting how much self-control it seemed a powerful pyromancer needed. Hey, I wasn't that bad. I kind of know what I want. Sort of. Sometimes. You know what you think you want. Just like I did. She paced away. I thought I wanted my freedom. It took me a long time to realize what I really wanted was to help a bunch of monks guide young pyromancers. Even stubborn ones like you. Chandra grinned. Is that why you didn't give up on me? Uh, let's say I don't like unfinished business. You don't know yourself yet, so you don't think things through. The way you helped Mortani showed me that you just might have some idea of how to get in touch with your true self. If you know what you really want, you don't make mistakes. Chandra let the words sink in, thinking about what she thought she wanted, the mistakes she had made, how she really felt. One of the fireballs on the far end flared a little, and Chandra steadied it. My friend Nissa left us when we first got here. She didn't trust Liliana and didn't think we should kill Belzenlock and... I know she needed to get back to her own plane after everything that happened there. But it just felt really... Like she abandoned you. Yeah, and I guess that's partly why I got so upset. And yelled at you when I thought you were Mother Luti and really yelled at you when I found out who you were. Chandra knew it sounded like she was making an excuse. She was done with excuses. I know that doesn't make how I acted any better, but I'm over it now, and I'm ready to burn Belzenlock and the Cabal right off this plane. That's what I want. Hmm. Chandra risked a look up at her and saw that Jaya's gaze was on the horizon. A dark smudge marked the blue sky there like a cloud, like the ash cloud over a volcano. Chandra's eyes narrowed. They were coming up on Urborg. Jaya glanced down at her. You're going to get your chance to prove that, kid. Slimefoot could smell smoke on the sea wind, and the distant scent of rot and burning. Its skin shivered, and it went back to the stairs and climbed down to find its sprouts. It was time to go back to the safety of the engine compartment and the white star's light. For now.
Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Return to Dominaria was written by Martha Wells. The podcast was produced and edited by Gin Dookeshi, with sound editing by Grace Noir. This week's story featured the voice talents of Penny, Tsukino Kage, Emily Doms, Keo, Sarah Ruth Thomas, Auntie Rivet, Adam Bennett, Michelle Rapp, Inra Zyro, Susie O'Neill, David Ford, Michael Lanier, and Pio. Voice of All is unofficial fan content permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic Gathering is copyright Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. Go be like Slimefoot and wave at a new friend today. Have a great day, y'all.